You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Gino looks, going to lay it up over the top. Got a man out there. It is locking. He has got it. Touchdown, Seahawks. Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. First and 10 at the Seattle 40. Play fake Stafford. Going to stop. Going to look. Gets hit. Goes down. Back in midfield. Getting to him in the backfield is Daryl Taylor. Presented by Delta, the official airline of the Seahawks. Now, here's your host, Jen Mueller. We have reached the final week of the regular season. There's potentially a lot on the line. John Boyle, of course, the Seahawks do need help to get into the playoffs after the loss against Pittsburgh. But I don't think Seattle's focused on what needs to happen in that Packers-Bears game as much as they're focused on what they need to do this week in Arizona. Exactly. That's the big talking point this week is you got to take care of your own business or it won't matter what happens in that other game. So. Seahawks know they lost an opportunity. As Pete Carroll said after the game, we had control of it, and we lost that control. So they just got to take care of what they can, hopefully go get a win in Arizona, and then hope things fall in their direction. Yeah, some of the numbers from that Steelers game that doomed Seattle, 202 rushing yards allowed. The Steelers able to run 71 offensive plays. Seattle just 49. You did get 106 yards from D.K. Metcalf, who has now gone over 1,000 yards in back-to-back seasons and in three of his four. But, John, you were the one who looks at the numbers right after the game and kind of highlights what tells the story. When you think about that game on Sunday, what are the ones that stand out to you? Yeah, I mean, you already said the rushing yards. That's, I mean, that was the big glaring thing. And a ton of those, I think it was 145, came in the first half. A season high yards for the Steelers, 468 total yards. So, yeah, just defensively wasn't good enough for the Seahawks. And then that trickles over the offense where they just didn't get enough possessions. I think they weren't on the field enough. As you said, it was, what, 49 offensive plays. And then we get into people are like, well, why is Kenneth Walker only getting 10 carries if he's running the ball well, which he was? Well, first of all, he's a little banged up. But secondly, it's hard to get enough play enough carries for your running game when you only have the 49 plays. So, yeah, just defensively, this team knows they got to perform better. They they showed some really nice, encouraging signs in the previous two games, and they need to get back to that. Yeah, time of possession was definitely a problem in this one. Some of the physicality, some of the technique. And we heard Pete Carroll this week kind of um, lean towards the youth of this team. Yeah. And when you look at it, look, we, we kind of, at this point in the year, I know that my my broadcast partner, Dave Wyman, would say there's no such thing as a rookie anymore. But Arizona has 14 rookies on the roster. Only Seattle has more with 15. And the rookies, they have played some significant snaps. Mm-hmm. I, I do think it has played a role in some of the inconsistency that we have seen down the stretch. For sure. I mean, ton of first and second year guys. That was, you know, big story when the roster came out. The first 53-man roster was 22 maybe of those guys were first or second year guys. And that's held true all year. This is a young team. And I think sometimes, look, it's what the Seahawks did last year was awesome. But I almost think in a way they sort of like, skewed expectations because if you you go back to march of 2022 and we're getting into a kind of sidebar here but after you trade russell wilson the moves they made i think a lot of people thought okay they're kind of rebuilding whatever you want to call it they didn't want to call it rebuild but expectations were not super high they drastically exceed expectations last year which was great it was a lot of fun but now maybe people expect them to be a little farther ahead to where they are with a team this this young and still kind of building up from what they tore down a couple years ago. Well, and last year, those rookies were remarkably healthy. Yeah. This year, as second-year guys, it's caught up with them. And and in 
odd ways, right? Yeah. Abe Lucas has been dealing with a knee since he was in college, but it catches up with him this year. Charles Cross misses games. Tariq Woolen was hurt during the offseason. You've had guys that have not been 100% and nobody's 100% at this point in time, but I think you did get remarkably lucky with health and injuries last year at key positions, and it's just kind of flipped the other way on the pendulum. Yeah, for sure. I saw something point out like the, the this year's class regressed, and I don't think that's it at all. It's just, as you said, you know, look, Tariq Wollen, you look at the numbers, the play has not been as good as last year, but he missed uh, basically all of the offseason training camp, and it just took him a while to kind of find his way. Boye Mafe is maybe the one guy who's a, you know seen significant playing time who has been healthy, and he's taken a big jump. He leads the team nine sacks. So I, you know, I still think there's a lot of really good play out of that group, but it just the injuries as you mentioned on the offensive line, all the different things, it's just set them back. Well, and you mentioned Boye Mafe. He is one sack away from being the first Seahawks player to reach double-digit sacks since Frank Clark and Jaron Reed both did it in 2018. I will tell you that Jay Reed has been very vocal with Boye on the sidelines. He is one of the mentors, and I know that he would be very proud to see Boye get that record. When you talk about that Seahawks defense, tackling needs to be better. Pete Carroll talked about that this week. And you're going to have to be better in the run game because Arizona— has all sorts of options, including two that they didn't have when these teams met earlier in the season. Seattle won that game 20-10, to 10, even though there were three turnovers by the Seahawks in this one. Kyler Murray was not a part of that one. Neither was their leading running back, James Conner, yeah. in that one. So when you think about that, and Pete Carroll knows that for all the yards that Conner is putting up, it really starts with the QB. Well, it's the threat of the quarterback is always part of it. You know, he's he's rushed for over 200 yards in, in his uh, seven games back. You know, so he, he's he's getting 30, 40 yards a game, something like that. And uh, um, that factor does add in. You know, and, and so we've got to make sure and try to keep Kyler somehow in control, which is almost impossible because he's he's just so elusive and so fast. But we'll, we have our ways. We're going to go about it in the plan and got to see if we can keep him under control. And uh, obviously we got to execute really well in the running game because, you know, James is going to get the ball a bunch in this one too. Seahawks fans know this well because they witnessed it a decade ago. When you have a mobile quarterback, there's, you know, 10, 12 years ago was kind of the beginning of this with Russell Wilson, with RG3 and these mobile quarterbacks. It's, it's math. It's all of a sudden if you as a defense have to account for this guy could hand the ball off to James Conner, who is a hell of a running back, or Kyler Murray can pull it and keep it and run around himself – that's one more guy you have to defend in the run game, and it just makes it really challenging, especially when it's two. I mean, Kyler Murray is one of the most elusive runners, not quarterbacks, just runners in the NFL, so it's tough. And remember, he is coming off that ACL injury late in the year last year, and that was Pete's response was actually part of a question about how is Kyler yeah. looking to you. It doesn't look you. like he's coming off an ACL. It does not look like it. In the seven games that he's played, Arizona is 3-4, and four, including a come-from-behind win against the Eagles last week. He's thrown for over 1,500 yards, nine touchdowns, five interceptions, though. So yeah. perhaps some opportunity there for for the defense on that one. When it comes to Connor, he has really turned it on in the last four games. Over 400 rushing yards in those games. Yeah. Against a defense that that's the big red flag right now. They've... Well, and here's the other part about that. Just the way that they run that offense, they've got a tight end as their leading receiver. Mm-hmm. Tight ends have been a challenge for the Seahawks defense. Now, when you know that the ball is going to Trey McBride, I think it's a little bit different because they're just a little shorthanded in the wide receiving core. But 
even though you look at Arizona's overall numbers, and maybe they don't jump off the page offensively, they do average 134 rushing yards a game, but everything else is is not the, the highlight numbers. I do think that these teams tend to play tough and that there's some tough matchups on offense. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we already hit on the running game, and that's where it's going to start. But, yeah, I just – Bigger picture, we know Arizona's going to play tough. You mentioned they've been winning games lately. They went to Philly and beat the Eagles. So this is a team, their record's no good, and you know they aren't happy about where they're at. But this is not a team that's given up. This is not a team that's just going to mail it in in Week 18 and look ahead to their vacations. I think they're going to put up a real tough fight for the Seahawks. Yeah, and not to put uh, an even more fine point on this one, but Connor against division opponents, 15 touchdowns in 13 games against NFC West opponents. That is tied with Christian McCaffrey for most in that category. When you take a look at defense, again, the numbers for the Cardinals, they don't jump off the page at you because total defense ranks 26th in the league. They are actually averaging 143 rushing yards, allowing 143. That's the most in the league. They're allowing 27 points a game. And yet you still have playmakers that, again, match up with Seattle and division opponents very well. Yeah, he's really good. Gardeck is really good, too. And it's it's really, you can't help but just be attracted to watching Buddha. Buddha's really featured in the, in the scheme, and uh, he's all over the place. And he's always been such an exciting player to watch. I mean, I've loved his style of play over the years. But they, more so than any time we've ever played a defense, this scheme is really highlighting him in so many different ways. So, But Collins is doing good. You know, the, the, he and Gardeck, I think they're sharing 10 sacks between them or whatever. And they, they move them around and, and count on there. They, they're real energy, motor, and, you know, aggressive kids that, that really give them something on a, in a special manner. Yeah, when I was asking about Zaven Collins, the linebacker there, against Seattle, he's recorded 17 tackles, three sacks, two passes defensed, and a pick six. That's in three games, I should specify, against Geno Smith. So there is something. He he creates his own magic when he plays the Seahawks. As for Buda Baker, he's he's just electric, even though... Again, you look at those numbers, he disrupts games in ways that don't necessarily show up in stats. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's one of those safeties that is like one of the – I really like these players. Like, It's hard to define what they do because they are guys that they move around. You know, he can play in the slot. He can be in the box. He can blitz. He can make plays in the, on the deep post. So he's a really exciting player. Obviously, he got the fun local ties, which makes it fun for fans to watch. But, yeah. There's some playmakers on that defense for sure. The overall product has not been what they wanted, but it's not a game you go into thinking that they're going to be a pushover by any means. He's got local ties in multiple ways, including being a U-dubber. Yes. What do you think his prediction is for Monday night? I would think he likes the Huskies in that one. You know. Well, I know, but what do you think? And I'm going to ask this. I have not talked to Uncle Will, Will Disley, yet about this one. I did, however, talk to Olu Oluwatimi, who oh, played thoughts, at Michigan, sure. he has he has some big thoughts in this one. He thinks that Michigan is the better complete team, but UW has the better offense. That's fair. I haven't watched enough Michigan for sure, but that sounds... And he's been texting with the guys. Remember, he was just there last year, so he's very familiar with the entire crew. He is predicting a 30-24 Michigan win. Okay. But, yeah. I'm just going to throw that one out there for anybody who'd like to agree or disagree or I don't know. That's not 
that's not a fun conversation among sports fans? Come on, John Boyle. It is fun. Give me I, something on this, huh? I, you know, I'm going to disagree with them because I've been watching these Huskies pull out close See, games. I just wanted over a talking over point. And, I know. Well, I, I just this wanted was a, a talking podcast. point. Not only that, where... you're going to be indoors. I mean, like, come yeah, on. I just, I, okay. I just. This is going to throw for a whole bunch of yards I know, and touchdowns. I love and, it. And it'll be dramatic as hell at the end because that's every Husky game this season. I know. I, I went and saw them at Michigan State early in the year when the Seahawks played the Lions, and they just blew them out. And so that's like my in-person memory of Husky football this year. And ever since then, that's just nail-biting drama every oh, week. As Seahawks fans, though, I feel like we're very well prepared for yes, that. Yes, Seahawks fans are well-weathered to handle those games well prepared for that i tell you what we're going to pause the conversation about college football and we are going to pause for a word from our presenting sponsor statistically the world is losing color just consider all white kitchens beige baby nurseries a sea of gray cars but in the hundreds of destinations delta flies to you can rediscover color in the bright blue waters of hawaii the emerald green hills of scotland the berry pink cherry blossoms of Tokyo, and so much more. Sometimes opening your world is all it takes to open your mind, which is why when you fly Delta, your potential takes off when you do. Delta, official airline of the Seattle Seahawks. You know what Seattle would like to open up Sunday in Arizona? Their run game. Yes. They would. We mentioned those numbers, 143 rushing yards allowed. Now, some of this, as we've mentioned, with not being able to get the Hawks run game going, uh, it's been number of plays, but also Ken Walker's been dealing with just a little bit of something. But here's how Pete Carroll would design things. Just more, more. You know, we were efficient. We, we had a good average. We, we had line of scrimmage moving like we liked. Um, we just need more. We, we need to use our opportunities. We need to use the conversions. And, and uh, I keep going back to that because we just need to keep moving the sticks so that we get our more, our more chances because we ran the ball well. And Kenny looked really good. Uh, Zach hit a couple, but it was really Kenny was really, really uh, on it on this game. So we're, hopefully we can pick up where we left off. Is, is he okay or? Yes, and he looked, he looked very good today. So that he looked much better than he did Wednesday last week. Almost stepped over the Bob Kendota follow-up question there. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, – as Pete Carroll said, they just – they need more plays so they can get to those running attempts. But, you know, maybe this is a game you lean on a little bit early and just try to establish it. Walker had a great first half in that Cardinals game, had 61, I believe, of his 105 yards in the first half. So this is a game where if you can get going early, maybe take control of the game early, take care of the time of possession early – to take a little burden off your defense, that that could really help this team. Yeah, I also wonder, and this was something I think I was pondering, granted, with a cocktail in my hand last week. As one does. I love deferring and getting the ball to start the third quarter. Yeah. What happens if you lose the toss and you have to go on offense first? Like, do you do you think it would change that run? Like, I know that you don't want to lose the toss. I know that they're not going to change that. I'm just, like positing, right? Like what happens if, how much do you think that changes things? Particularly in this game where you know you need a win, you know you need to establish the run, and you just come out and set the tone and get that first drive going. Yeah, I mean that that could be a nice way to do it of just pound, you know, maybe a nice long seven minute, you know, eight, you know, 12, 15 play drive where you just pound it. That, that might be a nice little tone setter for this You know, game. I do like that you said seven-minute drive because as I am looking at the longest drives for the Seahawks this year, one of their top five longest drives actually came in Arizona. It took seven and a half minutes off the clock. It was 13 plays. It's almost like you knew that and were reading 
my mind. Nope. Just a lucky guess, Jen. Well, I was going to give you far more credit <laughs> no, no, than, I you appreciate were, it. than you were deserving. You know who I got don't know credit? if I want to get inside your mind. Sounds kind of. You know what? <laughs> I feel like this just took a turn. It didn't need to take a turn. You know what? My mind's always thinking. Happy hour. Now, if you were getting inside somebody's mind and giving somebody credit, the Seahawks have a handful of pro bowlers and pro yes. bowl alternates. You know what I love about this? We'll talk about Bobby Wagner in just a second. I love that we were just talking about Julian Love this week, and he is going to the pro bowl for the first time. His consistency um, t- to be available for the plays, the playmaking, you know, it's there. You know, um, he, he's he's talented. He sees things. He reacts really well. He's got really quick feet. He's really nimble, and, and he can get in and out of his breaks and, and come out of the middle and come out of his halves and stuff and, and cover a ton of ground. And he's really responsible about making the plays that he should make in the running game. So he's, he's a really good all-around ball player, and, and we see it carry over as he impacts the special teams group too. You know, he's always doing things right. He's, he's making calls. He's making tackles. He's just a really good football player yeah i i really like about julian love it's one of those cases where we've seen this over times or over the years sometimes where a team signs a guy and on the surface you're like well you know that's great but he doesn't like where's he fit what's you know that's not their biggest need and when we asked pete carroll about it in march it was just like he was and john schneider said the same thing like he was too good of a player available sitting there after that initial wave of free agency and just where the price point was like it's just too good a value not to get him. And sure enough, he comes in. He's been a really good player all year. And now with Jamal Adams back out with the knee injury, he's taken over that every down role. And he has really thrived in it. Also being, as P. Carroll mentioned, really good special teams player, leading the team in special teams tackles. So he's been you know everything and more from what the Seahawks were hoping to get. Well, and a great teammate. Because yeah. when he was racking up those special teams tackles, he also wasn't getting the reps as a starter that he was used to. Yeah. And yet, he has still been one of those core pieces, one of those glue guys. He's also set career highs in interceptions and passes defense. He has 13 tackles off of his career high, which, again, impressive yeah. considering he has not gotten Yeah, there's a the stretch where he was types. playing half the snaps, right. if not less. Right. And, okay, so you, then let's – oh, go ahead. You mentioned career highs in children born this season. So, one. The, <laughs> I was like, wait, what? Yeah, yeah, they had their first baby in the middle of the season. So Right. You know, that does that, not that's actually also a career show high. up. No, but right. it's in not a pro football voting. reference. Right. You can't sort that. We'll but, put an asterisk next yeah. to it. We'll just, just part of what's been a really big few yeah, weeks for him. A really big season for so him. Congrats to him and his wife. What I was going to go to was Devin Witherspoon, who is a pro bowler for the yes. first time. So the Seahawks have back-to-back rookie pro bowls. It was Rick Woolen last year. It's Spoon this year. You know what impresses me most about that? What's that? He missed three games. Yeah. His numbers are still right up there, yeah. and he missed three games. Yeah, he's fifth in the lead rookies and fifth in the league in passes defense yep. after missing three games. He may very well have the league lead where he's for, fortunate to be healthy the whole year. But yeah, he's been just such a, an exciting dynamic. And you had that three sacks, bunch of tackles for loss. He's just a guy getting the job done all over the place. He was also Rookie of the Month in October, and he was Player of the Week in Week 4. That is a pretty impressive first-year campaign. Bobby Wagner, I, 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 you just knew it, right? Like, yeah. I hate to say that it's expected. I mean, but when you've done it eight times in 12 years before this, it's, you know. I just, I that was not a surprise to me at all. Yes, so he is now tied with Russell Wilson and with Walter Jones for the most Pro Bowl selections in franchise history. Yeah, it's 
good company. And he's already the most first-team All-Pros in franchise history with six of those. So. And he's three off of his career high in tackles? Yeah. Did I get that number right? Yeah, he's right up there. Second in the league in tackles and three from his career high. So, And it's... Um, you know, it's not just a bunch of sometimes, you know, if the defense is struggling, he's just mopping up big plays. But um, he's, you know, pro football reference tracks things like where the tackles are relative to the line of scrimmage. And he's up there in that, too. So he's making impactful stops still. Yeah, he is indeed. He's a great communicator. He's been a great leader. And uh, I will continue to say a first ballot Hall of Famer. It is going to be really, really cool to see uh, the accolades pour in. And Bobby says he still wants to keep playing. Yeah, so 100%. We'll, he plans on we, playing. We will uh, we will watch that storyline once the season ends. We're not to that point yet, though, because there is still a chance Seattle gets into the playoffs. They have to take care of business on Sunday in Arizona. They need help from the Bears. But for Seattle to get the job done, John, what do they need to do? Give me two things. We talked a bunch about the running game. Get that run defense back on track. Let's call it 120 rushing yards. Let's cap it there. No more than that for the Cardinals. Um, And then third down, I want to see this team stay on the field. They were 7 for 13 in the last meeting, which is one of their better performances against the Cardinals. If they hadn't turned the ball over, like you said, three times, that's a game they could have won going away because they were playing well on offense. Geno Smith was playing well. They ran the ball well. They just shot themselves in the foot. So I like to think they'll clean that up, be better there. Just keep converting on third down so you can stay on the field, take a little heat off your defense, get your own running game going. A lot of good things will happen if they can just be better on third down. Yeah, I think we are saying the same things, but coming at it from two different ways, I would like them to control time of possession. Yeah, I don't care how they do it. I want you to control time of possession because it's going to help you limit those rushing yards on the other side of things Mm -hmm. as well. And maybe keep Connor from getting into any sort of a rhythm. Also, clean up the missed tackles, right? We we had some pretty good numbers going into last week's game. Now they don't look so good, but I I don't know what the best number would be. Six? Seven? Well, well, Clinton Hurt said they had six in the Tennessee game, seven against the Eagles. And then as Pete Carroll pointed out, they had five-on-one play. Right. In this last game. Right. And what Bobby Wagner pointed out this week is with James Conner, he just knows how to work leverage and angles with defenses really, really well to always be falling forward. And he is among the lead leaders in forcing missed tackles. So clean that number up. Take care of business on offense. We'll do a little scoreboard watching on Sunday. And regardless of the outcome, we will be back with you next week for another edition of the Seahawks Insiders Podcast. <laughs>